You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome back to Music Tectonics. My name is Dimitri Vitsa. I'm your host. I'm also the CEO of Rock, Paper, Scissors, a music and technology PR firm. Really happy to have you on Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech. And this is the first time that I'm doing a solo cast. You'll just be hearing from me for about the next 20 minutes. I did a piece recently called 20 for 2020, Music Tech Phenomena to Watch in the Coming Year, meant to kick off this year with some thoughts on 20 things that I thought, I don't want to call them projections or predictions or forecasts, but just kind of the stuff to to watch out for. So I thought I'd take 20 minutes on this episode to explain them and talk a little bit about them and would love to hear back from you on social media. You can hit us at Music Tectonics on most platforms. You can hit me at Dimitri Vitsa on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, you name it, Instagram. Um, If you can spell it, you can reach me. So here we go. 20 for 2020. Number one, social music. So there's a lot that has been said recently about the different types of social experiences that have been created and are coming out of Asia, primarily China and India. Mark Mulligan from Media Research, who spoke at our uh, inaugural Music Tectonics Conference in LA, talked a lot about looking towards the East to see kind of what could be coming down the pike for the West, for the US and so forth. And so I am just putting that on the radar, thanks to Mark, uh, to, to keep an eye on what kinds of apps and platforms will really become social in the music world. Spotify, Apple, companies like that have tried to do that in the past. um, And who knows if they'll succeed and how that will help them maintain their lead in the the streaming wars here in the U.S. But it's interesting uh, to think about the social aspect of music listening online and in apps and what it would take to get there. Playlists are not really social. Um, a lot of the social functions of some of the, the key Western streaming services uh, have removed those social functions, whereas things like TikTok and some of the other platforms and apps coming from, from the East are more social than they are music. And so it's interesting to think about what that's going to look like in 2020. Number two, staying power. YouTube, Amazon, and Apple will show their strength in staying as major players in music. That's not a revolutionary thing to say. But I think people, and in the news, you see quite a bit of this, people are quick to talk about what's going to overtake some of those major platforms. And Spotify will will continue to fight to compete with some of those uh, larger tech giants that have other monetization products or services besides just music. And it'll be interesting to see globally whether these Western platforms that are um, kind of the, the major players in music from a music streaming perspective, whether they can overtake some of the local, uh, locally based, locally born platforms, not, not to imply that they're small just because there's lo- they're local, because of course some of these countries, India, China, Brazil, have huge populations um, and are getting huge adoption there. Number three, I'm scared to say it, but publisher label tensions You've started to see some of this emerging where publishers aren't super happy with the share of streaming revenues that they're getting. Labels seem less unhappy, if you could say that. And uh, I think we're going to continue to hear in 2020 um, 
additional sort of dis, discontent on the publisher side just because of how things have kind of panned out with the new era of streaming and online and app listening that publishers are not really seeing the kind of revenue that they had hoped for when they when the, when the music industry kind of returned to a growth area. Number four, breakout independent artists. So we're hearing more and more about the growth of the indie artist market, the largest growing share of the recorded music industry, and seeing every day new tools emerge to help those artists uh, break out without label support. Even companies like Spotify have talked about democratization of access to uh, playlisting tools, playlist submission, and, and so forth. But we're not really seeing too many major breakout stars, and I don't mean major label, but big breakouts of artists without a label. It's starting to happen, and uh, it means that artists are, are sort of paying attention to more aspects of the kinds of deals that they're willing to do or not willing to do, maintaining more rights and finding tools or team members who can bring them to national scale without a label. Some artists are using the services of labels to, to get access to those tools without signing the label deals. Um, but I guess one thing I'm saying is let's keep an eye out and see if there's any more truly independent artists that are breaking out at a national or international scale on par with some of the types of uh, streaming numbers you can see from some major label and other successful indie label artists. Number five, new geopolitical powers. It's interesting to think about the Chinese-owned TikTok or, say, K-pop, which is a real Korean-oriented genre, um, possibly manufactured genre, and to understand that the, po the policies of the governments behind some of these music and music tech phenomena will probably start to impact American perceptions. I haven't heard a ton of conversation about it, but you don't become a billionaire in China without knowing the rules and the consequences for not following those rules. And uh, I'm super interested to see whether these, um, these apps and platforms that have a growing user base in the United States, or even a genre, for example, music forms, start to have other types of cultural influence on teenagers here. Um, maybe some of those platforms will start to introduce some cultural values that might be new in an American context that teenagers will pick up on. Obviously, this isn't anything new. Um, there's been lots of influence from, say, anime, from the video game world, and so forth, going east to west. Um, but I, I have this sense that there's uh, the, the shift in geopolitical powers as it relates to music tech, as it relates to a growth in capitalism, entrepreneurship, and innovation from places that we didn't see that influence directly on consumers in America. That is going to start to have a, a broader influence than just who owns them and sort of what the what the app differentiators are, but really looking at how that can influence culture in America. Number six, another one I'm a little scared to say out loud, lawsuit overload. Uh, I wrote in the piece, patent infringement suits are the new black. Uh, streaming services are going after the Apple App Store. Publishers are going after streaming services. Governments are finding large tech companies. So, you know, I think that we're going to continue to see as the, the values of uh, how things are monetized and, uh, you know, the value placed on different aspect of music rights get shuffled around. 
even before they they finish getting shuffled around, you see people starting to make claims against this, that, or the other company. But I think we're going to continue to see a lot of lawsuits as these chairs are getting moved around the deck. But I think it's more than just chairs. It's it's really the the changing values and how how the evaluations of individual licenses or uh, broad scale precedents being set around what the relationships are between those who are offering music to fans, what fans are paying and, and all that sort of thing. So 2020 will be a year of lawsuits, unfortunately. Although, as I always tell interns that work for Rock, Paper, Scissors that, um, that are interested in how, what's the best way to get into the music industry, how can you make a good living, the guaranteed moneymakers are software developers and attorneys. So number seven, renewed love of Spotify. I think Spotify got a bad rap uh, last year. There was a lot of things that, that went down as they struggled with uh, battling against other large technology companies that are in the music streaming space, the iPhone ecosystem, um, that, you know, obviously the, those shifts in how money's getting paid out, there's been some criticism of Spotify, but I think 2020, we're going to find that Spotify will find their footing. People will recognize that it's great that, that there's a streaming provider who's, not using music as a loss leader for hardware or ads or e-commerce. And I think the music industry, I think creators and artists, songwriters, publishers, administrators will all recognize that there's an important role for Spotify to play, that there's there's a good reason to make sure that Spotify's uh, strongly there being that independent voice, even with, and we'll talk about this a little later on the podcast, even with um, their big investments into, into podcasting, which was initially thought by some to be a push to 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 pay less for music by having more audio content that the, they owned owned content. I, I really think that people will come to realize that Spotify is playing a much bigger game, which we'll talk about in a minute. That actually just brings more people into listening to music. I raise number eight, an artificial hit that it's probably just a matter of time before we see the impact of artificial intelligence music making really taking center stage in some sort of musical hit. I think a lot of the initial fear around AI-generated music will probably be quelled a bit as people realize it's not really a sudden shift that we've been using a lot of tools for music creation from synthesizers and samplers and plugins all along the way for composers, songwriters, performers, and uh, that... Nobody really called that stuff AI. Um, some of it isn't official, isn't technically AI, but I think people are starting to see that there are, there is a role for this technology to play, and it will eventually become front and center in terms of a, a major hit, whether it's in the form of a social video or meme of some sort, or just a standalone audio song that um, that will, for whatever reason, strike the strike the collective spirit and soul of the music listening population. Number nine, a new cringe. Of course, anyone who mentions TikTok to anyone over the age of 18 starts talking about how cringy it is. And then there's the explanation of, yes, it's supposed to be cringy and so forth. But here's what I think. If that's cringe now, or it was cringe in 2019, let's see what happens in 2020. There's going to be something in the music space um, whether it's a, a platform or an app or some, some viral memes that, uh, that is going to take it to a new level. Sorry, folks. That's what's going to happen. Number 10, consolidation. 
So this has been discussed a bit in the industry that that we're leading into a period where we'll see more and more consolidation of music companies, music technology companies, startups, also music catalogs. And I think um, that's going to continue to happen and it's going to shift some of the power dynamics as you see new players come in to to consolidate to a point where they're gaining serious serious market share or where certain elements of the market that weren't even expected to to really have any weight are going to shift things at all. One of the challenges for the music tech community, especially for startups, is is it harder for those newcomers to break in if other people are consolidating power within some of the newer innovative sides of music technology and music experience through technology? Number 11, PR matters. Of course, I run a PR firm, so had to get this on the list. But I think as the power shifts continue with this geopolitical and legal and consolidation factors, uh, what the media and the public says about your company is going to matter more than ever. Um, Human relationships and perceptions still matter, especially in these seismic moments. So though I know tons of conversation has moved to social media and to Reddit and so forth, I still think that journalists have a lot of influence on the conversation. Um, and especially in a B2B setting where a lot of the, the corporate conversations, the investment conversations get played out, um, there's going to be a lot of uh, uh, PR challenges in this year, 2020. Number 12, genre diversification. I think everyone now has access to what they want to listen to. The whole top-down approach to broadcasting has shifted and I think we're going to continue to see new genres, new styles, new scenes open up because you don't need that broad level gatekeeper or that broad level audience adoption to have a successful music scene. So I think um, the ruling genres are not on stable ground and long tail listening means artists don't need critical mass. So look for more diverse middle tail and more mobility up and down the tail in terms of music style. Number 13, fandom revenue streams. Now that subscriptions are starting to level off, even though everyone in the music system uh, ecosystem is valuing where streaming is at, there's still money that may be left on the table. And this is another one that, that Mark Mulligan presented beautifully at the Music Tectonics Conference, that there's a trend towards new types of sticky digital experiences. If you've got kids on video games or using uh, live streaming services, you can see where there are new opportunities to collect money for people to engage with streamers, with creators, with uh, performers. And as the streaming economy matures, it's time to optimize revenue with you know other little micro payments for emojis and animations and so forth. We had a great Music Tectonics episode with Karen Allen several months back about, and she also spoke at the conference, uh, about how this has played out in a live streaming economy. And I think we'll see it more in music overall. Number 14, the radio turning point. So after those podcast acquisitions that Spotify made, there were reports that they surpassed Apple on podcast listening, which is kind of a big deal because Apple is uh, has been known as kind of the destination for podcast listening for many years, several years. But Apple's not the only one who should really be scared, and I don't think Apple is scared, but it's really radio that I think Spotify is gunning for. And uh, dropping over a quarter billion dollars on, on Gimlet and Anchor and, and some other podcast acquisitions, 
um, I think shows that Spotify's not just serious about it, but they've got bigger plans. And I don't think they're spending that kind of money solely to save money on on the cost of music. But as I hinted earlier, I think this is the radio turning point where people are going to stop listening to what were perceived as radio companies more and more as podcasts, spoken word, news, sports, all those things start to get integrated with music. And I don't think that's a bad thing for music. I think it will keep people in the music audio ecosystem even more. So I think it's actually going to generate more revenue for music over time. And you can also see this with the Sirius XM Pandora uh, partnership, not to mention their recent strategic investment in SoundCloud as well. Um, going back to this idea of audio, not just music, where there's a little more flow between those things. So you, you build up even a larger audience there. Number 15, micro podcasts mix with music. So this is, this is really not something I've heard people talking about, but one that I've been thinking about. And we, we had a really interesting smart speaker panel at the last conference. But the way that people are using smart speakers for a variety of uh, voice-activated content, audio content, um, to me means there needs to be more small tidbit nugget size podcasts that make it easy to mix with podcasts. Most, oh, I'm sorry, with music. Most podcasts and audio programming are pretty long, but traditionally, you know, in, in radio and so forth, you could get a, a better mix between music and news content, but since, or other spoken word content, but since the, the podcast world and the audio music world have kind of grown up in streaming as separate silos, there's n there hasn't been a great way to integrate those two. So I'm, I'm looking forward to Spotify's daily drive to becoming something that's really lives up to its its promise. I think the missing piece is these micro podcasts, one to five minute snippets so that when you're listening to music, you get a little cultural content and then you go back to music and, and back and forth. So somebody's gonna gonna crack the egg on that one this this year. Number 16, personal holograms. So holograms at live shows are um, becoming real. I've seen them at, at festivals and conferences, and uh, a lot of times they were a novelty to bring back iconic performers from the dead. But I think the real power will be personal holograms in your home, in your in your on your kitchen table, in your rec room, where kids will get together and see them right in front of them. When somebody has this ability without having to wear a headset to bring an artist to life in a hologram in a small setting, not in a stage setting, because in a stage it's really it's really kind of hard to see, honestly, and it's it's uh, it's kind of like an optimized video projection, really. But if you could do it in your home, it's pretty cool to see. So I'm looking forward to who who cracks that nut. Um, number seventeen, music and cars. Well, this is funny because when I wrote this a few weeks back, I was just complaining about the fact that it's still a pain in the buck. I've, I've got a relatively new car, a couple of years old, still a pain in the butt to connect your phone via Bluetooth or wire to your phone to your your car system. I'm sure there's people who have a, a good method of doing it. Uh, I've dreamed of just having a second phone that's just always plugged in so I don't even have to worry about it. Well, since I wrote that, BMW announced that they have a always connected solution for uh, their new vehicle so that you can just turn on your car and listen to music just like it was the radio without having to connect your phone first or wait for the Bluetooth to disconnect, reconnect, connect to your spouse's phone or your friend's phone or whatever. It just works. So I'll, I, I look forward to seeing more of that in 2020. 
Number 18, 5G, it's coming. Uh, Supposedly it'll be 10 times faster than 4G. I personally don't believe anything anyone says about the speed of wireless or cellular data or anything because they'll sell you whatever they can. And then when you test, it's always half to a quarter of what you paid for, but there's no guarantees, but it could be up to this fast. Anyway, I do think 5G will be faster and it'll be interesting to see if high fidelity music increases as a result, whether it breathes new life into certain music video streaming platforms that don't feel as um, accessible when you're running out of data or when the data is always slowing down or pausing or whatever. So then again, look for um, reduced latency in music collaboration apps as well. That's something that could be really interesting on the creation side of this stuff. Um, and who knows what the power shifts will be between internet providers as traditional wired providers struggle in a new round of cord cutting. We're almost there, folks. Number 19, gamers are an alternative market. You won't be able to brand your music within games. You'll need to be the right type of music for games. People think of gamers as this new audience. Oh, Marshmallow was in Fortnite or Minecraft or whatever, but gamers will make the music as well. So I think we'll see this as a growth market in music. I know it's already there. It's growing, but I'm actually talking about at a whole new level. Number 20, a Chinese hit in America. So remember all those news stories we had about Spanish language hits a couple years ago? Well, it's time for an American hit to come from China, India, Brazil, or any language other than English. And it's not really if it's going to happen, but when is it going to happen? And then expect it to repeat again and again. Maybe it'll be 2020. I don't know. Those are my 20 phenomena to watch in 2020. Just me rapping about some things I've been thinking about, skin in the horizon, and put it out there. I could be wrong. I could be right. It doesn't matter. It's just a matter of pushing our thoughts about it. That's what Music Tectonics is all about, and that's what we'll be exploring at the Music Tectonics Conference, October 27th, 28th, 2020, in Los Angeles. You can go to musictectonics.com to find out more about the conference, read our blog posts like the one that I just summarized here in this episode, and sign up for our newsletter so you can keep apprised of what's going on with the conference, the podcast, and so forth. Please hit subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Thanks so much for listening to Music Tectonics. You're listening to Music Tectonics.